Hello everyone and welcome to Dallas Hoops FanCast. I'm your host Sydney. I'm here with Martin. Hey guys. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, I'm at underscore Sydney. Martin is at Martin L. Myers. You can also follow us at Dallas Hoopscast. Remember you can listen to new sh- new shows at DallasHoopscast.com where you can also read exclusive articles. We have a new one up. I just published it I think yesterday. Um, explaining all the ways to vote for the all-star team, which starts, that voting starts Christmas day, which I, I don't know. I feel like it came up a lot faster <laughs> than it usually does. But anyway, so in the article, I broke down all the ways to vote and also how the teams are chosen. We're going to get into that. We're going to do our, uh, all-star selections for the starters a little bit later on the episode. Um, but I want to start with the Philadelphia game and just talking about that and this, I don't know. It's like part of me is like, what is up with this team? Because we were talking last night and I was like, they just have the audacity to believe that they can win without Luka. And and I mean... And on the road against, you know contenders yeah and, and i don't mean that in a bad way like the uh, you know the audacity to believe but that's the only way i can describe it is like your mvp is out an mvp candidate league-wide your best player and they go into these games not just i hope we win or, or you know we're gonna play our best and we'll see what happens but you can tell they truly believe that they can win like they don't care that the Sixers have only lost one game at home. They don't mm-hmm. care that the Bucks were on an 18-game winning streak. It was like they none of that mattered. They believed we're going to play our game and we can win this. And it's it's just crazy. There's definitely a confidence with this team. They believe mm-hmm. even without Luka that they're you know, they expect to win. And uh, even on the road against the Bucks and against the Sixers and against the Lakers and the Rockets and and all these road wins that they've had, they believe that they are the better team. Even without Luka, they go in there and they they play well. They they put the pressure on themselves and they deliver. They accept it. Yeah, they, they accept the pressure. It's been it's been awesome to watch. Um, some of these road wins we've had this season are just phenomenal. Um, it's. I don't know how to explain it. They yeah. just they just have this confidence. I don't know if Carlisle's just got them believing in a certain system that if they play a certain way, they do a certain thing, they can beat anybody in the league. And thankfully, it's actually working because they have beaten some of the best teams. The only team in the league to beat the Bucks and the Lakers. They beat yeah. them both on their home court. And so. only the second team to beat the Sixers at home. At home, yes. Yeah. Yep. I thought when Luka went down... I was like, crap. They were entering this 10-game stretch yeah. that we knew was going to be brutal. We talked about it. We thought they'd go 5-5. Five and five, And I was like, I don't know. I think they might just lose every game now. And that Heat game was super close. And we talked about how the heart that they played with. Um, but I was like, in my head, I was like, that's probably just one game. They probably cannot sustain that. But then they beat the Bucks, And then, you know, the loss to the Celtics and then came out just that same business attitude and beat the the Sixers. It's like, it's not, to me, it, it's not just a fluke. They come into it with a game plan, they execute and they win yeah. because they're just better. Well, they just believe in themselves and they yeah. believe in the system. And I thought when, when Luca went out, I was like, man, this is the worst possible timing. I know. If it had waited like two weeks where he sprained his ankle, like the first six games of January are a bunch of garbage teams at yeah. home. 
that would have been fine. But against the the five best teams in the Eastern Conference, it was just bad timing. But they've held their own. They've won the games I expected them to lose, and they lost the games <laughs> I expected them to win. Uh, they lost to the Heat game. I think that game it threw them off a little bit when Luca went out so early. Mm-hmm. I think if they were to play that game again, they would beat the Heat. Yeah. Especially if, when we play them in Miami, just count it as a win. Okay. Um, and then the Boston Celtics game, I thought they'd win that game. As you know, I'm not a believer in the Celtics. Yeah. And they just didn't They didn't play the same way that they played against Milwaukee and against Philadelphia. It wasn't that same force. They didn't play yeah. with that same confidence well, that we're just better than you. I, I thought, I don't know if I would say confidence. To me, it was the same focus. Yeah. You know, like Tim Hardaway Jr. forced a lot. Um, he just didn't make really good decisions. Everybody tried to play hero yeah, ball. Yeah, Jalen. Yeah, and that was really it. It was a lot of hero ball. And so I thought the the focus on the game plan and, and yeah. what, what I personally need to do to succeed, not like I need to win this game for us, but just let me just do my job out here. In the Celtics game, they didn't have that same focus that they've had against like the Bucks and the yeah. Sixers. So they... It was a great win last night. They uh, they really frustrated the Sixers their offensively. Zone. That zone yeah. uh, really uh, just took them out of their game. And, you know, the Sixers don't have a lot of outside shooting. They don't have a lot of spacing. And uh, they struggled with Mavs. And the Mavs played the zone really well. Yeah. It's not like they just threw it out there. They've They've had stretches this year where they threw the zone out there. And it has helped them get back into games like the Lakers game. They used the zone to help get back into that one and uh, to beat the Lakers. Let me, or sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I want to read some stats about their zone defense. So uh, Philadelphia started the game on a third, or going 13-5. And I remember before the game, Chuck Cooperstein was talking to Rick Carlisle about the zone. And he was like, how do you know when to use it? And Carlisle said, sometimes it's just a feel Um, Sometimes you can see the way the game is going. You need to kind of shake things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Carlisle said after the game, kind of following up with that, he was like, yeah, we knew that we were going to use it at some point. We ended up using it like two minutes into the first (laughs) quarter because just the way the game was going, it was like Well, the Sixers went up 13 to 5, and he's like, all right, let's zone it up. So from from when they went up 13-5, Dallas started using the zone, and from that point on, they outscored the Sixers one twelve to eighty five. Yep. They allowed ninety seven points per one hundred possessions for the game. Um, and this is an interesting stat. Bobby Corolla found this. So they played fifty five possessions in the zone, or they defended fifty five possessions in the zone. Philadelphia scored only forty five points on those possessions. There have been thirteen teams this year that have played the zone at least fifty possessions, and Dallas is second in points per possession behind yep. the, Clippers, the Clippers who are yep. probably aside from the Bucks maybe maybe the best defensive team in yeah. the league when they when they're focused yeah and i think that's are, yeah. that's a difference so yeah the the zone defense is just the the thing about the zone and Carlisle talks about this about this it's not easy it's very hard because mm-hmm. you have to be extremely focused you have to concentrate. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot of effort. You can't just... A lot of communication. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so it's not like every team can play the zone. It's not like every team is like, oh, the Philadelphia will just play the zone now. Not every team can do it, but the Mavs do it very well. And I think that 
will help them in the long yeah. run. And in games like uh, the Sixers, where the zone, you know, it, it clogs the paint, prevents penetration, and forces teams to shoot from the outside. And if you're not a good three-point shooting team, it's really successful. But even if you are a good three-point shooting team, you tend to miss some of those shots because you, they're, they're not shots you would normally you're take. You're being forced yes, to take it. exactly. And yeah. so they're not really in rhythm. Mm-hmm. It, it forces you to shoot a shot that you normally weren't really planning to shoot. So the percentages go down a little bit. And, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome to see. I thought uh, it was a whole team effort. Tim Hardaway really helped him get off to a good start. Had 19 points in the first quarter. And uh, Porzingis was just solid throughout the game, especially on the rebounding and defensively with the block shots. Uh, he's a really good center or center. You know, he's not a center, I know. But <laughs> he's a really good middle guy for the zone because he has good timing. Mm-hmm. He has good lateral he movement. Moves well, yeah. And uh, he's a good shot blocker. And so for the zone, Porzingis is really good. I think that's why it's a lot more effective this year than years in the past because we have that inside presence. A lot like Tyson Chandler, he was really good in the zone as well because he had that good lateral movement. Well, and he's so committed to yeah. defense. Yes, you know? yeah. And uh, so yeah, Porzingis was awesome. He had 22 points, um, 18 rebounds, three blocks. Yeah. Probably uh, you know one of his better games of the season, if not his best. Going back to the zone, um, their zone defense, again, this the Sixers is one of the perfect teams to play against. And if mm-hmm. you look at the teams where they've played a lot of zone in that game. It's a lack um, of shooting. Yeah, one was the Sixers, the other were the, was the Bucks, and then the Lakers. Now the Bucks, whoever they were playing, uh, was it the Lakers? Yeah, the Lakers, they played Giannis a lot the same way that the Lakers did, mm-hmm. or that the, the, the Mavs did. They laid off of him a lot. And against the Mavs, he didn't make those three-pointers. Against the Lakers, he did. So you kind of like live and die by that. But that's those are the kind of teams that you would want to play the zone against. And the Sixers, like you said, they don't have a lot of shooting. Particularly, it's particularly troublesome when your main ball handler can't yes. shoot. Yeah. Like LeBron, who is a better shooter than he used to be, but it's still not his forte. And then especially yeah. Ben Simmons. Well, and, and the Lakers, it's more because of the lack of shooting, you know. Overall. Overall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. You don't want LeBron shooting threes. I know his percentage-wise, he's an average three-point shooter, but he's one of those guys that if if he's got to shoot him and make him, he can. Yeah, and if he gets on fire. But it's yeah, it's the rest of the team, and so the zone prevents LeBron from penetrating and dishing out, getting them the threes that they they shoot best. So, um, and with Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons is just a limited player offensively, not just shooting. He's not very good at creating his own shot. Well, because he doesn't have a shot yeah. other than if he can drive well, and get a and, layup. And, and people will say, well, well, what about Giannis? Giannis just overpowered. Well, he's not Giannis. Yeah. Okay, like there's only one Giannis. If if it were that easy to be Giannis, <laughs> then Ben yeah. Simmons would be that guy. And even Giannis has worked on his yes. shooting. Yeah, you know? and he shoots them at yeah. least. Yeah. You know, And he shoots them now this year like 33 34%. So... You know, he put in the work. Yeah. And and he came out with confidence. So, I don't know. I, I I don't think that, just going on the Sixers a bit, I don't know if Simmons and Embiid are a good fit. Just because, as we've seen them with their last two games with the Heat and the Mavs, the zone really bothers it them. It just takes them completely out yes. of their offense. And now, and, and Embiid, you know, he still got his points, 33 points, and I think like 15 rebounds or something like that. He still dominated. 
but nobody else can contribute because nobody else can create their own shot. Yeah, well, I mean, again, with Ben Simmons, like there's, a, you know, Giannis, again, he's not a he's not a good shooter, but he's worked on it and he's getting better. Yes. Whereas, and again, he's so long and athletic and fast that he can just overpower guys mm-hmm. and get to the rim. I haven't seen Ben now, Simmons with that, quite that level. He, he has some of that, not yeah. on the same level. But what would help create that? As if he could shoot. Yes. Yeah. And and you would think for, because now this is what, his fourth year, this is what pe- teams do to him. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs. And he still hasn't exactly. worked on it. Giannis could not get points in the playoffs against the Raptors. They shut him down because he's not a good enough shooter. So he spent the whole offseason shooting. And he came back this year even better. I don't think Ben Simmons has really progressed or gotten better over time. In fact, he's starting to get worse. Because, yeah. again, when teams start playing the zone, you really make him ineffective out there. And, I, you know, apparently he's a powder. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Ben Simmons is like, okay, Giannis wasn't a good shooter, but he's getting better and he's working on it. Ben Simmons, it would be different if he was working on it, but he's not even working on it. Like, he or, doesn't even sh- – you're not starting I mean, at – you're not starting at a guy that's shooting 25% on threes. He doesn't shoot, shoot them at all. At all. Yeah. You're starting from zero. And this is his third year in the league, but he's still not working on it. It's like, at what point are you going to start working on this? And I think that's the problem is he doesn't shoot them. Yeah. And even if your percentages are in the 20s, you've got you to gotta start, start somewhere. Yeah, you got to start from somewhere. And you got to just start shooting them. And then you work on it. Like, you, you can't get better if you don't shoot. So even if you work on them all summer long, first of all, you got to fix your form. Like, yeah. do it now. <laughs> like, you'll sacrifice a season of shooting. You will. One season will just be a complete wash because you're changing your form. And your percentages are going to be terrible. Well, but that's one yeah. season out of... You know, 15 years of your career, if you don't correct it now while you're still young, it's going to become too late. You're going to find yourself looking, find yourself out of the league. Anyways, I don't want to focus on Ben Simmons uh, that much. No, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's clear that playing the zone is probably yes. just the best defense. And the Mavs are them. one of the better teams at yeah. playing the zone. Um, quick note about the Sixers, Embiid. This is just like not talking in real life terms, but just like dream world. Do you think he would fit on the Mavericks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was thinking that too. Not only is he a monster offensively, but he is a monster. I know Maxi got the better of him a little bit. There's nothing you can say about that, except Maxi just got the better of him. But he is, if you look advanced wise, he is one of the best rim protectors in the league. And having him as your rim roller and Porzingis as your floor spacer, it'd be unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, because... The Mavs would be unstoppable. The only thing I was thinking about was the spacing. But again, Porzingis pops out. He doesn't roll a lot. And Embiid can shoot. True. He can shoot. Now, it's it's in a 30 percentage, but you can't leave him open. So, yeah. Oh, that would be an amazing fit. Yeah. And that's what he told him at the end of the game. <laughs> I know. After the game, whatever. He's in Porzingis' ear. Yeah, they had a really long conversation. <laughs> I was like, MB to the mask yes, confirmed. Please make it happen. <laughs> um, also, this whole stretch, I think Carlisle deserves a lot of credit for it. Do you think he should be in the Coach of the Year conversation? He has to be. Yeah. I mean, nobody expected, except myself, nobody expected the Mavs to be this good. 
Now, to be fair, I thought the Mavs were going to win 50 games in the season. That's obviously well documented before the season started. That is true. I didn't think they were going to be this good where they're going on the road against the best teams in the league and beating them. Without Luka. Without Luka. Yeah. yeah. And so some of those with Luka, but some yeah. without. No, he, he has to be. Especially, let's say if they win 50 something games, last year they won 33. They have a 20 game turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty crazy stuff. So, yeah, he definitely needs to be in the uh, consideration. So, the Mavs are currently 14th in defensive rating. They were hovering mm-hmm. at 15th for a long time. They're at 14th now. They're first in offensive rating and they're second in net rating. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and again, this stretch without Luka, so the the 10 game stretch that we were talking about, it started December 12th against Detroit. And then the very next game is when Luka went out. So in this stretch, they're three and two. We thought that they would go five and five. Well, well we, we said a successful 10 You thought 10 they would game. lose every game. but No, I did not. Uh, a successful 10 games would be we thought would five be five yeah. and five. So right now they're like they're winning every other game. So they're pretty much on pace to yeah. go five and five. Except... A lot of their a lot of their hardest games are over with. Yeah. Like I, I would say probably the Bucks was the hardest. Um, the Sixers at home we probably would have said was gonna be one of the hardest. Now from here on out they have Toronto. Well the Raptors were gonna be one well, of the yeah, hardest, true. but now their entire team is out yeah, due to injury. Without Siakam and Gasol and yeah. Norman Powell. Yeah, that that game tomorrow, that might be a win, which we can talk about that. But So they have uh, Toronto, Spurs, Warriors, Lakers, and OKC. And I would say games that you can like assume they should win, I don't want to be like cocky about it, but OKC, Golden State, and Spurs, that's mm-hmm. three games I think they would go into, go into it as the favorites. Um, so that would already take them to a record yeah. of six and two and then depending how they finish the other two games i mean yeah the only thing is we can't uh the thunder are playing much better true yeah lately yeah. They're, they're playing really well so that's going to be a, a really tough challenge um the warriors you can't go into that game without the same intensity that you go into philadelphia or milwaukee because you know their crowd can still propel that team to a victory. Yeah. So you got to go into that Warriors game with that same mentality. You can't take a night off because if you take a night off, you're going to lose that game. Um. So yeah, even without Luca, if they went five and five, I mean, how do you not consider that yeah. a major win? Well, and now I'm like, geez, what could they have done with like these losses to Miami yes. and Boston? Well, I, would they have won those. I think they would have beat Boston. With Luca, because least Miami. Well, and the thing with Boston is the others on the Mavs couldn't make anything. Yeah, yeah. And that's where having a superstar in games like that, they can, you know, help propel your team to a victory just because themselves being so good. Um, so I think that definitely would have helped. I am. Um, I would like to make an announcement. Okay. At this point, I feel like it's this is a good time for it. Um, I told you this last night, but I'm going to say it publicly. You're leaving me. <sighs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Dorian Finney-Smith. Oh, yeah. Aside from Luca, is... Hold on. Before you say what you're about to say, <laughs> you were never, ever high on Finney-Smith. In oh, fact, you, I was the you were so Yes. Yeah. And you, you were so off of him that you, were, you wrote an article to figure <laughs> out why the Mavs liked yeah. him. Okay. Continue. Dorian Finney-Smith is my new favorite player. 
Yeah. Boom. I mean, because his defense is just amazing. One, because like skill-wise, he plays very good defense, but also his body, like his wingspan, this the size of his hands, how long his fingers are, the overall length in general, his athleticism. He is a very good defender. And then what changed it really this year was his three-point shooting. Yeah. Because that was really the thing where he just was not, like before this, he was shooting 31%, 30%. I mean, it was just terrible. But this year he's shooting 35%. And remember, he, what what did we say if he can get his percentages up to would make him a very he, effective... We said, said 35%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, just watching him play defense, he's made some big three-pointers. And that's mm -hmm. the other thing is like, it's not just he hits a wide open three in transition, but he hits some big three-pointers. The defense is there. They're starting to catch on that he's a good, a good shooter. Um, he's just been really good. And like, yeah, in the past... I didn't even want him on the team. I wanted him off the roster. And that's why I did that article because I was like, I have got to figure out what the Mavericks see in Dorian Finney-Smith because clearly I'm not seeing it. And so when I dug into it, into his defense um, and the analytics, I saw like, okay, th this guy, that part of it is for real. And if he can just figure out the shooting part of it, he will actually be a very a legit important contributor. Yes. Yeah. yeah, And he figured out the three-point shooting. Um and so, yeah, that article is on DallasHoopsCast.com, by the way. If you're still back where I was of not understanding the Finney Smith thing, you can go read it. But, um, yeah, he's my new favorite play player. And to the point where I want a Finney Smith jersey. <laughs> well, I'm not buying you one I want this city jersey. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah. nobody <laughs> wants I don't this. want this. No, actually, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of yeah, people wearing them. Yeah, they grow on them. Well, which is fine with me. Like, I don't personally like the design, but I don't care if someone else wears it or likes it or if they mm -hmm. sell it. Like, I don't care about that. I just personally don't like it. But anyways, um, yeah, I want to join Finney Smith Jersey for my anniversary gift. Oh, okay. Well, we'll make it happen. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to say that. And his defense last night was really good, too. It's good. Yeah, him and... Yeah. Uh, and Maxi was and Maxie good. And, and, and Porzingis. Uh, yeah, Porzingis, obviously. So Porzingis... Um, you know how I said in that uh, the Kings game. You said it. Yes. So in the Sacramento Kings game, the Mavericks ended up losing that game. And Porzingis did not play very well. He only had 13 points, did not shoot well. But there was that one moment in that game that I felt was a very important moment. And that was the shot late in the game where Porzingis drove to the right, did a little fake whatever, fade away, and swished it. To I, make it like a two-point game. Yeah, it was in a big moment. Yes. Yeah. And I felt like that shot helped reassure Porzingis that he still is still one of those guys. He's still a guy that can can He's score, still can dominate. Yes. And I was like, that shot, I think, is a lot more important than we realized. Even though we lost the game, I felt like that shot was just important for Porzingis' overall confidence. Since that game, he's averaging 22.6 points per game. Wow. 13 rebounds per game. Dang. Shooting 44%. Now, that doesn't sound great, except from he the... he shoots a lot of threes. And the 40% to start the season. Yeah. He's still at around 40%, almost 41% for the season. But in the last five, he's 44%. That's the same average he had when he was in New York. Oh, wow. 22.6 and 44%. But, yeah, and but more rebounds. And now he's averaging 13 rebounds yeah. and two blocks. He's back. 
Uh-oh. Porzingis is back. Now, he back. his three-point shooting is still a little low. Hopefully, that will come up as the, the season progresses. And this isn't just a result of Luka being out. The last game that Luka and him played, he had 20 points it's and eight rebounds. It's a mindset. Yes. He, he mentally looks different to yes. me. Yes, and he looked different in the Detroit game. That Detroit game, there's this is why like people are... are there's some people out there that are a little nervous about the Luka Porzingis thing because it seems like Porzingis Wait. is playing so well really? now that yes I've seen where they're like Luka has to come in now and learn how to play with these guys and no, that's no, a load no, of crap no, no, yes no. they have to learn <laughs> yes. to play with him which Porzingis has already shown well, we've already he seen can it do that. even yeah. like in Detroit Seth had a big game it's not like Luka took all these guys out of their game the Mavs were, were just trying to figure out how to get everybody going. And in, in that Detroit game, Seth Curry had a big game. Yeah. Porzingis and Luka had some amazing connections. He had a big dunk at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. This is good news for the Mavs because when Luka comes back, they're going to be almost unstoppable well, offensively. And I feel like Porzingis is scoring more, but he's still playing within the offense. Yes. Like, yeah. They don't run plays for him. Now, now sometimes I do see more where they um, dump it down to him in the post. Mm-hmm. I see that now a couple of times a game, but it's still... But you saw that even in the Detroit game. Yeah, and it's still only a few it's, times It's not a, game. a result of, like... I don't think Carlisle's really changed his offense at all. The no. only difference is, is the initiator of the offense is Luka. Now, the problem... Well, not the problem, but Luka is so good at scoring that sometimes... When he gets a screen, there isn't a lot of ball movement because he has a wide open lane and he can yeah. score in the paint easily. But yeah. if they crowd the paint, we saw against uh, the Lakers in the first half in LA where they basically crowded the paint, double teamed Luca. He struggled to start the game, but came back in the second quarter and they did that same kind of ball movement that we see right now. And then in the third quarter, he figured it out. So, the first of all, the Mavericks are not better without Luca. I don't know well, who, what only, idiot would say that. Only haters say that, yeah. Um, but th- this team's going to be good. And I think yeah. Porzingis still has a little bit more to grow, especially to, with his three-point shooting. But, man, when they get it all figured out, I don't know what they their ceiling is. They already have yeah. currently the best offense in NBA history. Yeah. And, you know, like we'll see for the rest of the season. But, yeah, and again, like I said, Porzingis – points his uh shots still come from within the flow of the offense like you know he's still he's moving off the ball mm-hmm. he's coming off screens um I don't feel like they are are forcing anything or like you said that they've changed their offense a whole lot now I think he's being a little more aggressive because Luca is out and and yep. he is the best guy on the court like he's not forcing it but it, it's just a fact he is the best player for the Mavs right now so he's being aggressive and he's taking those shots and like I said you do see a few post plays but I don't see it like he's now their offense it. is totally different and yes. crap we got to shift back when Lucas I feel no, like no. they're still running the flow I don't see Carlisle calling a lot of plays and so I think it's you, easy to slot Luca back you, in you there. You saw glimpses in that Detroit game that all of these things that are working out where Curry's shooting well, Porzingis is playing well, all these things were coming together and Luca was dominating. Yeah. When, they, when he comes back, yeah. It's yeah. I, I don't know what their ceiling is. I don't know if if they need to make any kind of move. At this point, yeah. I mean, they, they've they've gotten beat on the re- offensive rebound, but you know, maybe maybe you give Carlisle some time to figure out. 
Well, they had a, had they out rebounded the Sixers, which last is the night. Sixers yeah. were the number one team in in rebound percentage. Yeah, so. and I mean, like, so talking about Curry and and Brunson having like trying to figure it out with or without Luca. We talked about this in the last episode. Curry and Brunson play without Luca Anyways, a lot. Yes. Yeah, in the beginning of the season, they played a lot with him. And we talked about why that didn't work. That was in the last episode. So, yeah, now playing without Luca, you know, during this time, Brunson is starting and so everything's a little different. But again, they were playing without him before. So once they go back to the bench, mm-hmm. they can still have these big games because they're not playing with him to where he has the ball all the time. Well, they still have the ball. And now that he, Carlisle also figured out that, so Curry does play with Luca sometimes. Yeah. But he only plays with him with. Tim Hardaway Jr. also being on the court and Porzingis also being on on the court. That allows Seth, maybe he's not so much as a playmaker, but his, he gets more open opportunities to to shoot threes. Yeah. So they're going to be, I mean, they were already good. Yeah. But now that we've seen some other, like the fact that they are winning some of these games without Luca shows to the depth of, of this team and the mindset that they have, they feel like they can be anybody. And now, how much more so are they going to feel that way when they have an MVP candidate back on their on yeah. their starting lineup? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody will want to play this team in the playoffs. Well, and, and another thing, sorry. Another thing. This is why I think the Mavericks are going to be good in the playoffs. They play a slow half-court game. Oh, yeah. You talked about that. And their pace. Their pace is yeah. one of the slowest paces in the league not only that Porzingis and Luca both play at a slow pace yeah they're currently 17th in pace and obviously in the league lower is slower so they're towards the bottom yeah and Porzingis is at about 100 pace 100 um possessions per game oh okay and uh, Luca is about 101 but Porzingis is 13th in offensive rating oh wow and Luca is like second but that you have to take out like games that te- players that have played more than 15 games because oh, okay. you have some guys that play two games their offensive rating yeah. is, is so if you do like players that have played at least 15 games Porzingis is 13th and Luca is second wow of course you also have Dwight Powell in there and Dorian Finney-Smith so the fact that they play really well offense and half court setting that bodes well for the yeah. playoffs and I think that's also why they might be doing well on the road yeah, that was so. That was the other thing I wanted to talk about is they're basically they play so much better on the road. They're mm-hmm. currently eleven and two on the road. Say with Toronto's injuries, they get that win. That would be twelve and two on the road. They're eight and seven at home, and a lot of people are asking why, like what's happening. And, and let me read a few stats of these these splits. So first of all, points per game is. Almost what four five ex- more four point one points per game yeah, more on the road more on the road um, field goal percentage goes from forty six to over forty seven on the road three point percentage goes from thirty six to thirty seven uh, total rebounds goes it's about the same it's almost one more rebound per game their plus minus goes from eight point two to nine point five blocks goes up steals goes up turnovers goes from thirteen and a half to less than twelve. I mean, it's, and it's like, what, what is it? I think part of it, you talked about how they just seem to focus more on the road. Yeah, I definitely think they have 
a certain disposition about themselves when they go on the road. They are more focused. They're more playing within the offense, playing within the system. Uh, they do a lot of things better on the road. And whenever they are that focused, they also control the pace of the game. And when you're on the road and you can control the pace of the game, like how many of these road games have we ever seen the team just run away with it because of steals and fast breaks? Yeah. They don't turn the ball over, especially on the road. They turn it over less on the road than they do at home. They play slow. You can't force them to play out of their pace of the game. So they, even on the road, they're controlling the game. Yeah, yeah. They're control, And then when they're completely focused, they're not turning it over. People are stepping up to make plays. You have a superstar who can carry you when they need to on the road. So I, I don't know why they're not doing that at home. Obviously, Carlisle will fix that. I also think they have a six-game homestand coming up in January. I expect them to win all six of them because it's against mediocre to sub-500 teams. Yeah. And if you can win all six of those, then their confidence at home will be even better. Um, and I think teams are kind of thrown off or caught off guard by the Mavericks, especially Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Without Luka, they're not expecting the Mavs True. to come in with this disposition and I think the Mavericks, what I saw against Philadelphia and against the Bucks, the Mavericks are kind of relentless on offense. Yeah, they're all, they just keep and moving. And I think it gets irritating for mm -hmm. an opposing team because just when you think you figured them out, <laughs> or you went on a run, yes, and you're like, or, all right, we exactly, got this. <laughs> we go on a run. Okay, here we go. The Mavericks this come right it. back yeah. down. They get a shot they want, and they got guys that step up to make them. So they're really irritating to play against because they're just so relentless on the offensive end. You can never really run away with the game and you can never really get back into the game because you can't stop them consistently enough. Yeah. And, you know, the, some of the Mavs losses they had this year, a lot of them, well, some of them were due to officiating. <laughs> just throwing that out there. But a lot of them were like the Mavericks beating themselves not so much the team beating them yeah so i want to read some of their home opponents that they've lost to um so versus portland now there was some controversy at the end of that one but that wasn't but the, the a bad officiating yeah i mean the blazers they, they, suck what? so yes regardless well and also the the call went against the mavericks but it was the correct call true okay so, um so you have uh portland Lakers, which that one yeah, was happened. completely blown. Yeah. Um, New York, that was a loss. God, I can't believe we lost. <laughs> um, the Clippers, Sacramento was at home, Miami was at home, and, and then Boston, Boston was at yeah. home. So some of those are good op opponents. Mm -hmm. I will say, of their like questionable officiating games, those happen to happen at home. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, you had some like. The Blazers, the Knicks, um, the, the Sacramento game, the Sacramento so, game. Some of these, it's like maybe they just didn't show up. That and they're <laughs> kind of anomalies. Like Sacramento was in a phase right at that moment where they had, they had just lost an excruciating game against the Spurs, so they came out with a. It was it was a big game for them, and they came out that way. Now the Mavericks, it's not an excuse. You should have matched it, yeah, yeah. and you should have beat them, and you didn't. But Sacramento came out. I mean, they, Sacramento went to Houston the very next game and beat Houston on the road. But regardless, the Mavs have to have that same disposition, that same focus 
that they do on the road, they have to have it at home. Yeah. And they just haven't had that. Well, and that's the thing. These these weird things, mm-hmm. the like uh, the anomalies like you talk about where a sucky team comes in with fire and they just win it or these weird officiating things that that only affect you in a close game like those weird these, things they don't happen on the road they're not exactly yeah and, exactly. and then you have some games like the clippers game that was that was at you just home. got beat the boston game you're without luca i mean you just yeah. got you have some of those but really it's these like weird sort of finishes that for whatever reason things just didn't go your way and on the road they're so much more focused that I think those things just, they don't happen mm-hmm. or they don't affect them because they they have such a, a large lead. I mean, and that's the other thing. A lot of these games on the road, against the Bucks, they had a sizable lead. Against the Sixers, they had a sizable that's what lead. I'm saying. They, against the Celtics, same thing. What you've seen with the Mavs on the road and even on, on some of their home games is their relentlessness on offense. Their offense is just constantly getting good shots yeah, every time there's so down much the court. movement you're on yes. defense you have to constantly run all the time and eventually it wears on your opposing yeah. oppo- opponent yeah and so like a lot of times the mavs the game will be close throughout the full first half and then in the third quarter the mavs just keep on going yeah they keep doing the same thing that same movement every shot's a good shot it just keeps going and they just start to run away with it because I think it just wears down the opposing defense. Well, there was a possession at the end of the game last night where uh, Simmons, Ben Simmons, was guarding Jalen Brunson, and he was like laying off of him, and Brunson kind of dribbled and then was like, "Wait a minute, you're not going to guard open. me?" Yes, yeah. And he just pulled up and swished it, and but Simmons looked like he just had no interest in guarding mm-hmm. him. It was like it was towards the end, and it was just like whatever. Like I don't even. You know, they've been trying to win like this whole game. They go, the Sixers go on runs. The Mavs just come right back. They play the zone defense. Simmons can't do anything. And like you said, I think it just, it wears on you. It reminds me a little bit of the Spurs from 13, 14, 14, 15, whatever. Back when they had Kawhi and Duncan and Tony Mm -hmm. still. um, I remember DeMarcus Cousins. There was this, you know, quote about him because he was still on the Kings. And the Kings were having like the best game of their year. Like they were just making shot after shot after shot, but the Spurs just kept coming back yeah. and making shot after shot. Like and, they do, and exactly, and it's just relentlessness of their offense. And eventually, Cousins like was talking to Duncan or something. He said, "You guys are freaking good." Of course, he wasn't as <laughs> as polite he as used that. Other words, yeah. And it's kind of similar with the Mavs. Their offense is such a well-oiled machine that it just becomes annoying to the opposing team to the point where even in that Sixers game. There's like a minute left, and I don't remember who drove it to the lane, but they literally just stopped playing, and it was Dorian. And oh, Dorian okay. just got a wide-open yeah. layup, and then yeah. Brett Brown almost broke his hand when he was calling <laughs> Call a timeout time so hard. I yeah. thought his fingers were going to snap back, and then he just substituted yeah. all his guys out. Well, it's kind of the same thing um, we noticed in their game versus the Rockets when they started trapping James Harden. Mm-hmm. After a certain point, there was one play where they did that, Harden tried to do stuff, and then he eventually just kind of pitched the ball to Westbrook. And stood like, there. Yeah, and you could tell it was like a fresher, like whatever. Just you know, he got so annoyed by it. And the Mavs are kind of like They're that. Pesky. They're so yeah. disciplined. They're so focused. They're so relentless that you don't get a break. Like they're not gonna let you 
just get a break or a free possession. Yes. You're going to have to fight Especially every offensively. Time. And that's good when you have a young team or they're not very good. You want that sort of toughness. Mm-hmm. But when you have that plus they're actually good, that's, that's a really dangerous com- uh, combination for the opponent. Yeah. And when you don't turn the ball over, especially on the road, uh, you're barely ever playing out of your defense. Like your defense yeah. is usually always set because you're playing on the road and you're making so many shots. And there's no no like deflating fast break no. plays. No, and that gets you happens. out of your... The Mavs yeah. control the pace of the game. Yeah. And that's what makes them so dangerous. That's what's going to make them dangerous in the playoffs because they just keep coming at you and you're not going to take them out of their game. Yeah, so um, it's pretty exciting. I, I want to go on now to our all-star selections. Okay. Um, so like I said, all-star voting starts on December 25th, Christmas Day. And um, I published this article on DallasHoopsCast.com that shows all the ways to vote, to, or to vote, the voting window, the two-for-one days. So there's one, two three, four, there's five days where votes count twice. So I go over that, um, how to vote. And then I also break down how the teams are chosen, which I kind of want to go over here real quick. You can read the rest of the article because there's also like the announcement dates and when the draft is and all of that. Um, but the selection process, it, it changed a few years ago and it confused the crap out of me. And I had to like read over and over multiple <laughs> explanations of this. And so once I understood it, I tried to break it down as simply as possible. So I want to go over it and then we're going to share our all-star selections. Actually, do I even want to go over that? Like how the teams are chosen? Oh, no. I thought we were just doing yeah, the, you know yeah, what? Read the article. Yeah, you guys just read the article. <laughs> That's uh, not as fun. I was about to get into it. Then I was like, you know what? That'd be really boring. Yeah. I don't want Yeah. So go read that if you need to figure out how the teams are chosen and... Uh, that's on DallasHoopsCast.com. But yeah, I want to get into it. So let's go to over. So with, this is what we believe the starters should be for, yeah, yeah. for each. It's not, East it's and not West. guesses for what we think will happen. But just like this is, this yes. is basically what Who our ballot think. Yeah, would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you go first on the West. Okay. For my first forward, I chose Kawhi Leonard. And I'm going to be honest, I was, a, what? Can we do, sorry. Oh, okay. Can yeah. we do where you do your entire one and then you explain each pick? Okay. Instead of going okay. back and forth. All right. Okay. So just start all yeah, the way yeah, yeah, over. Yeah. Start over with okay. Luca. Okay. So I'm going to do my full list and then you'll do your full list. Yes. So there's two guards and three forwards. My first guard is Luca, obviously. Yes. No brainer. Second guard, James Harden. Third. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, for forwards, I have Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. Do you want to share yours or do you want me to explain mine? I, I would like for you, the Kawhi one is, okay. yeah. So Kawhi, yeah, he is currently averaging 25 and a half points per game. That's 11th in the league. And honestly, I did think about the fact that he doesn't play every game. Yes. He's on this whole load management thing. Like he's played this year 22 games compared to like, for example, LeBron, who's played 29. And I did think about it, but... I was like, you know, he's averaging 25 and a half points a game. He's probably the best player on the team, and the Clippers are like first in the West. Second. Second in the West, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, it's not perfect, but the fact is, if we're just talking about him as a player, he's an all-star. And the other thing is, 
when I looked at the other forwards, I couldn't really pick a guy that I thought should start above him. The only guy I was a little iffy on was Carl Anthony Towns. I thought about mm-hmm. that for about 30 seconds. But then I was like, no, it's just the Clippers record is it's just too good to ignore Kawhi Leonard, who I think is the better player over Paul George. I, I also thought about Paul George, but I was like, no, I think Kawhi Leonard is better. And then I, I had to pick LeBron and Anthony Davis. So there was just no room for Paul George. Yeah. And then I won't get to, like, I'm not going to dig into the n- nitty gritty, but LeBron and Anthony Davis, I really didn't like doing that because I don't like the Lakers. <laughs> but LeBron, I was more okay with because he's top 10, he's averaging like almost 26 points almost a triple-double pretty much, 10 assists, uh, seven and a half rebounds. You can't ignore that. And then Anthony Davis, I think a lot of his offense comes off of LeBron. I don't think he'd... I mean, he was averaging 28 points a game. Yeah, and he's still before, averaging so something like 27, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 20, yeah, 27.7 points. So like for all the things that I don't like about these players, if I'm looking at it unbiased as a basketball fan, Yes, they, they deserve to be all-stars. They deserve to be starters. So that's mm-hmm. my list. What's your starting five for the West? Okay, so obviously I have the same two guards with Luka and Harden, and I don't think there's really much debate on that. No. Um, I mean, yeah, Harden is averaging 38 and a half points, yeah. and I don't like the way he does it. I don't like the it, way he plays his it's, game. It's, it's my turn. But. <laughs> it's my turn. I don't You've like already had your shot. Plays. Your shot. But, I mean, it's like you can't. Okay, and then it, with forwards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have, so the Kawhi and George thing, I kind of went back and forth on as well. I did a little bit too. Um, but then ultimately, sorry. Yes, it's it's my my, okay, my time. Okay, so Luca Harden, LeBron, and I went with George. Oh. Only because, and I know George was injured for like the first seven games of the season. Yeah. But I feel like Kawhi is going to miss a lot more games before the the uh, all-star break even gets here. So although he's only missed seven now due to load management, <laughs> um, I feel like he's going to miss a lot more so for is that this, same reason. Is this about you think Paul George is better? It's I think not Kawhi, that you think he's better. You think you think he's going to play more? I don't. You know, I think uh, I think Paul George and Kawhi are really similar. They are offensively yeah. and defensively. Now Kawhi plays a little bit more in the mid range, and Paul George shoots a more threes, Mm -hmm. but they're really similar players, both offensively and defensively. Um, You would have to say that Kawhi is the better player because Kawhi has won rings, two of them. Yeah. Than George. Now, statistically, George may have averaged more points per games, whatever on another team. I went with George mainly because he's going to play more games. Yeah. I and think I that's can trust fair. that he's going to be there. Yeah. That's fair. And then I also have Anthony Davis as my final forward. Yeah. So the only thing we varied on was the, the Kawhi, Kawhi and yeah, Paul George. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's fair the argument about how many games he'll play. I just went with like who's a better player. But I think no, you no, could no. Do I it got both you. Ways. Yeah. 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 Okay, um, let's do our Eastern, Eastern Conference, Conference starters. So my starters, first guard, Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. Second guard, Bradley Beal. Ooh, over Jimmy. So, oh, you know what? Wait, hold on. Why did I not? Hold on, let me finish on my list. Okay. Uh, first forward, Giannis. Uh, second, Pascal Siakam. And third, Joel Embiid. Now, Jimmy Butler, why did I not see him when going through, when doing my research? I don't know. You got some explaining to do. Yeah. 
now I'm like questioning all of my decisions. Now it depends if Butler. He's averaging see, twenty points a game. But he's almost averaging. He's it's not just the points. Yeah, it's no, also I know. the I'm team just, record. Yeah. And his other stats and yeah, defensively. You're right. Yeah. You know what? You're right. I should put Jimmy Butler. When I didn't see him, it was between Bradley Beal and Trey Young. And honestly, mm-hmm. Trey Young is like more of everything. But the Hawks suck and the Wizards aren't good either, but they have a better record. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I went with Bradley Beal. But I didn't see Jimmy. I don't know how I missed that. So, yeah, I think I would put Jimmy Butler there. Yeah. And I think a lot of this also depends on how the NBA classifies. If they put Butler as a forward only because he plays small forward a lot, yeah. then, you know, or like LeBron, if he's not listed as a guard or Luka's not listed as a guard, he's listed as a forward only. Yeah, you know so that's gonna. But we're we're just assuming that Jimmy Butler is a forward on NBA.com. See, that's the thing. If he's listed as a forward, he's not a starter, not over Giannis mm-hmm. and Pascal. But if he's listed as a guard forward, which happens all the time, like Luca right now is listed as guard forward, but LeBron is he just is. forward. Yeah. So. I would assume for the all-star then voting... Then I stand by my list, and yeah. I was right. Stop trying to change my mind. So for me, I, I have... I knew what I was doing. I have Walker... That's also, why... Yes. I have Walker also as the first guard, and then I have Butler as my second guard. Now... But he's yeah. a forward, yeah. Now, if he is listed as a forward only, then that changes my entire list, because the rest of that I have the same Giannis, Siakam, and B. Well, then... So then you you might pick Bradley Beal too. I would put Beal, Giannis, Butler, and Embiid. I okay, would put so Butler over Siakam. No yeah. disrespect to Siakam, I just yeah. think Butler is a better player. Yeah, I mean Siakam is just having like he's having a great year. Yeah, he's and, averaging... and he deserves to be a starter. But yeah. again, if they put Butler as a forward only, I got to put Butler over Siakam right now. He's averaging twenty five points, eight rebounds. Um, three and a half assists. I mean, yeah, he's just having an amazing year. Yeah. And the Raptors, I think, have a better record than the Heat, um, if I'm not mistaken. Let's look. Conference standings. So the Heat um, are oh, no, twenty one right, yeah. and eight. They have well, they basically have the same record. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, you it could go either way. I, I think I would stick with Siakam. Mm-hmm. But I could understand Jimmy Butler because, like you were saying, everything he does on the court. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging 20 points, six rebounds, 6.8 assists. Uh, he's also a better defender. Um, but, I mean, it's hard because Siakam is having a great year, too. Yeah. And I don't want it to make it seem like that I'm a Siakam hater. I'm not. No. I really yeah. like Siakam. But I'm hoping that Jimmy Butler can be listed as a guard forward, then he can be the second guard and well, Siakam can right be in now. there. I know, but when they the uh, ballots come out, don't do what you're about to do. When the ballots come out, <laughs> hopefully he'll be listed as a guard. And then we got to also confirm if a center can be in there as I a forward. I have to imagine. Well, no, I think they can because okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at um, Joel Embiid, he is a center. But if you look at him on NBA.com, he is forward center. He's a forward center. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I think they do that mm-hmm. for because it would be stupid otherwise. Now. The West is uh, way better than the East outside yeah. of Giannis. And not to say that these other guys in the East aren't good, but I mean, Luka, I would rather have Luca than Kemba. Oh, not even close. Now, if you'd rather have Harden versus Beal, I think that's a 
That's a spiritual question you have to ask yourself. <laughs> no, it's not. With all due respect to Beal and as much hate we have for Harden, Harden is definitely the better player. Um, Kawhi versus Giannis, I would take Giannis. LeBron over Pascal or Jimmy Butler, whatever, I would take LeBron. And yeah. then Anthony Davis versus Joel Embiid. That's a tougher one. That's a yeah. tough one. I mean, at least Joel Embiid will play center, you know. Yep. <laughs> um. So, yeah, those are, those are our starters. It, here's another question regarding all-star voting. Do you think Luca will be a captain this year? I do. I mean, he got the most votes in the West last year, and that was his rookie year. This year, he's averaging basically 30 points, 9 and 9. I think he's going to get the most vo- votes. So it's the two players that get the most fan votes. So it's yes. not even about media. If and he then gets you the have to get votes. the player votes. Obviously, the players are going to vote him in the All-Star game. Yeah, and but so because they voted him in the All-Star game, he's automatically the captain because he had the most fan votes. No, just as a captain, you get the most fan votes, and that's it. So if Luca gets the most fan votes, then he's, he's the, the captain, captain automatically. automatically. Okay. Yeah, so at that point, player votes and media votes votes don't matter. Okay. So, and last year, I don't remember, I think he was second or something. It's going to be hard votes. to say he's going to get it over LeBron. Yeah, um, Because LeBron's having a much better year, and the Lakers and are... And it's LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, regardless, he's a starter, if yeah. he is not, then no, there's no. He's there's gotta some be a starter. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I don't know. To me, I think it's pretty much automatic. But that's one reason why I wrote this article is so that you know how to vote. I have links to everything. Once all the voting opens up, I'm gonna add all those links to the like just to make it super easy because last year he did get a ton of votes, but it you know, he still didn't make it. So, anyways, um, he might not be a captain. That's a good point about LeBron, but I think he will at least be a starter. There's no other, like, besides Luka and Harden, name another guard that should be a starter. I mean, last There's, year you yeah. could have said Damian Lillard, but this year you it was like I was listening that. to, yeah. I think it was Zach Lowe's podcast maybe. They were like, I mean, without Lillard, the Blazers are probably a lottery team, but they're a lottery team with him this yeah. year. So, you know, he's just, for whatever reason, he just doesn't have it this year. Um, and then... I mean, maybe Westbrook, but there's no way no, you put no, Westbrook no, no. above Harden. Now, Absolutely again, it's not. it's voting, so who knows what people are going to do. But just if, from my point of view, logically... If Luka is not a starter this year, it's a travesty. Yes. It's a travesty. There's no other way to put it. He is a starter in the All-Star game. And I will petition the league to have every single game replayed so that he can do his thing and win them all. Okay. That was a joke because yeah. the Rockets... Oh, well, you should have... Wow, your face. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Better edit that part out. I don't want them to see how you really talk to wow, me. Wow, your face. Okay. Um, so those are our votes for all-star starters. Let us know what you think. You can tweet us again. I'm at underscore Sydney Myers. Martin is at Martin L. Myers. Thanks again for listening. You can tweet us at Dallas Hoopscast. Yeah, and then read the article on DallasHoopscast.com. You can, you can also listen to all of the new episodes. And thanks again for listening. And thank you so much, guys, for listening. We really do appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks um, for listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening. Wow. Is that your goodbye? Thanks for listening. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs>